This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. That means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, this is Joe's sister, Nikki. I think I might be the only girl in the world who has a brother who spends his entire day in the basement pretending he has an internet radio show. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Tug, and my crazy calendar says today is Hug Your Boss Day. While I like hugs as much as the next guy, we're going to just stay away from that particular holiday and instead talk about lunch. Specifically, how much has the cost of a school lunch sandwich risen over the last year? Here to talk inflation in the most fun way possible, we welcome from LenPenzo.com, the Oscar Mayer Wiener. I'm just kidding, it's Len Penzo. And in our headline segment, it appears homeowners are sitting on a ton of cash inside of their property. Could that money be better deployed? Plus, we'll throw out the Haven Lifeline to Lee, who left his job and wonders what he should do with his health savings account. And we'll, of course, include the best part of the show, my amazing trivia. And now, two guys who could be called the bologna and cheese of this school lunch, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-J. You're the bologna. You're full of bologna. Yeah, baby. Welcome to the bologna and cheese podcast. The first day. It's O-G. That's the guy sitting across the table from from the me. I don't know where that was going. I like it. You you were onto something there for a second. The table from the me from the place. I don't know. And I am Joe Celci. I average Joe money on Twitter. And you're not the fake OG. Not the fake one. Yes, on Twitter. Not the fake OG. Just so you know which voice is which, we got a great show today, OG, because Mr. Len Penzo. All about sandwiches. Doing the sandwich survey. They're, Sammies. They're seriously, Doug said this earlier, there is no more creative way that I know to talk about inflation than talk about how the school, like inflation is such a boring topic, but not today. We're going to find out who the champion is when it comes to the school lunch sandwich. Is it bologna? Is it a cheese sandwich? Which we got in trouble for. Remember that? Some mm-hmm. iTunes review about how we were uh, advocating. advocating cheese sandwiches. <laughs> it is, the stuff people think they learn from us is, is fantastic. We don't advocate anything on this show. Except for, I got to say, honey. We advocate honey, OG. I like honey. Honey on my biscuits. Yeah, baby. I like honey on my toast sometimes. How about, sometimes I'll take honey, like a spoonful of honey. How about honey on your browser? Thanks to Honey for supporting Stacky Seems Benjamins. Sticky. Honey's the free browser add-on that over 9 million people are using every day to save money while they shop online, including Mrs. OG and yes. me. I use it. It's free, takes just two clicks to install, saves you tons of money. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash SB. I thought it was honey.com. It's not. It's joinhoney.com. Joinhoney.com. Slash SB. And we're also excited that Magnify Money also sponsors this podcast. 
Magnify Money is the number one place on the internet to go to compare, ditch, switch, and save. All those financial tools you use every day. Why would you just walk into your bank and say, hey, what do you got when it comes to a checking account, savings account, cashback credit cards, 0% credit cards if you're trying to pay off the man, or consolidation loans if you can't trust yourself with a credit card, student loan consolidations, one of the best blogs in the business, stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money gets you to all that and more. Speaking of and more, we got a lot of and more on this show, man. So let's get this party started. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins headlines. Our first headline comes to us from CNBC. Ever heard of that place? Nope. Not very familiar with it. This is written by Diana Olick. Homeowners are sitting on a record amount of cash and not tapping it. Homeowners now have a collective $5.8 trillion in tappable equity, the highest volume ever recorded. The average homeowner with a mortgage gained $14,700 in tappable equity over the past year and has 113900 available to draw. Consumer confidence in the housing market, which has been quite bullish, is actually dropping now. People not as excited about housing as they have been. All this money, OG, sitting inside your house seems like it's time for a trip to the movie theater or maybe Neiman Marcus or... I don't know that uh, trip to Needless Markup is the right place, but hey, got to keep the economy going. Am I right? I get the piece. It seems to be presented. What's the message? Yeah, yeah. It seems to be presented. Hey, hey, uh, dummy! Look at all the money you could be spending right now, you idiot! All you got to do to get at that money. By the way, you know what you got to do, everybody, to get at that money? Get to refinance. Sell your soul. Yeah, or take out a home equity loan. You have to take debt to get to your own money. Why would we do that? I actually read an article or a website. I was flipping through something about a week ago, and there was legit a financial guy financial planner, I'm using air quotes, who no joke, his whole thing was, if you have more than 20% equity in your house, you're an idiot. We're going to refinance that baby. That money's going in the market. I remember sitting down with mortgage professionals back in the 90s who would talk about that, just continue refinancing and shoving that money in the market because you're going to make more money in the market. I mean, we've talked about don't pay extra. To Never your can go down. Don't don't pay extra to your mortgage if you're paying it down. Put it maybe in a separate fund if that fits your risk tolerance. That's not because we think that it's a bad idea to pay the mortgage down. Right. That's a so whole no di- benefit to paying it off in little chunks. <laughs> it's a whole different story than continually refinancing your house. Yeah, this is a this is a terrible message. The next piece in here, though, it says variable interest rate fears is the subheadline. Let mm-hmm. me read this mm-hmm. to you. But home equity line of credits, on the other hand, have variable interest rates on like the 30-year fixed primary mortgage. So the rate on a HELOC, as they call them, can change. A HELOC is therefore more risky because the Federal Reserve has been raising rates steadily and HELOCs follow that. Quote, who wants uncertainty when it comes to monthly finances, says Ben Grabowski, Executive Vice President of Black Knight's Data and Analytics Division. I think a lot of Americans look at what are my payments? What is my income coming in? And what are my payments going out? They want certainty that they can cover their cost and not worry about it. Nearly 80% of tappable equity is held by homeowners whose current mortgage interest rates is below 4.5%, and 60% of it's held by borrowers whose rate is below 4 The average rate on a 30-year fix today is around 4.8, according to the Mortgage Bankers Association. Yeah, I definitely don't like the idea of taking out a home equity line of credit and grabbing a bunch of that cash and doing something else with it. And to Ben's point here in the piece, not really know what my payment's going to be month to month. Do you think it really matters that much though? I mean, usually home equity lines of credit, the payment is going to be interest only for the first period of time, whether it's 10 years or 15 or whatever, or it's a formula based on how much is drawn from the account. Yeah. So it's a formula based on the amount that you, my understanding is it's a formula based on the amount of money that you have borrowed. Yeah, so therefore the payment's not going to change that much. The interest rate, you're, the amount of money going to interest is going to change. You know, for ours, for example, just using our example, it's one and a half percent of the balance. So if we have a ten thousand dollar HELOC outstanding, our minimum payment this month is one hundred and fifty bucks. Now the interest, you know, which means I'm going to pay eighteen hundred dollars a year, right? If the interest on it is five hundred dollars, I'll pay down 
1300 if the interest on it is $600 or $700, I just make less principal payments. But I think the cash flow is the same, right? Now, well, to Grabowski's point, if interest rates continue going up, then the interest on that money you borrowed might go up from month to month, which is going to change the minimum payment due. But to your point, I don't think I base my repayment on the minimum payment due. I think well, this is just like going into a car dealership, and the guy goes, "How much can you afford?" Yes, and you go twenty eight thousand. He goes, "No, no, no. How much per month? Do you want four hundred a month? Do you want five hundred a month? Do you want two seventy five a month? Because they can make the math work to whatever. That's a really stupid way of aligning your finances." The piece later on says more borrowers are doing cash out refinances, even at a higher interest rate, because they're leery of the variable rates on HELOCs. But overall, just 1.17% of available equity was tapped in the first quarter of this year, the lowest amount in four years. Why? They may not know how rich they are. Quote, I think the typical American doesn't have that level of awareness. They're not probably studying the numbers at a Grabowski. I think I think that might be. A little I don't think that's wrong too. Everybody knows oh, my house is worth. Uh, uh. Yeah, I think that's cynical. I think people are very proud of the fact that they've got equity in their house. Yeah, and anybody who's owned a house longer than nine years remembers getting their face kicked in in two thousand seven and two thousand eight, and is like, uh, yeah, no thanks. I don't need to have a. 99% leveraged house right now and watch it go down by freaking half. And I got to say this, people can't see us sitting across the card table from each other. But if you've listened to the show for any length of time, you know that I have the laptop face toward me. OG just kind of shows up, starts chatting. The very next sentence, OG says this, memories of the housing crash. They also may have long memories. <laughs> The, the house. That's you, why you gave me the evil eye. You like, could have, have you been reading the notes again. You could have written this piece. The housing crash was 10 years There's ago. There's a lot of this stuff I could do on my own. <laughs> but we've established that by now. If you only wanted to. The housing crash was 10 years ago, uh, but the pain in the housing market still being felt. Millions of borrowers lost their homes to foreclosure because they use them like ATMs. Some are just now able to qualify for a mortgage again. Some of today's homeowners saw their parents lose their homes or maybe even a bit evicted as teenagers. Home prices are also rising so quickly that some markets are overheating with sales slowing as prices rise. That's a red flag to all homeowners because prices historically eventually follow sales. Hmm. Wow. So supply and demand still works. Got it. All right. But, 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 Sound economic theory. To that point, that's also why confidence in the housing market is dropping as you're seeing that tightening. I've, I've noticed, I've noticed houses are sitting a little bit longer in the, in, in the uh, OG subdivision. I talked oh, that's to the name of it. That's what we call it, but it's somebody else calls it something different. I talked to a real estate friend of mine, Jason, who said that the issue that we have here in Texarkana, which has been echoed in the national media is there's a lack of supply. It isn't that he's got plenty of buyers. Hmm. Pe- people are sitting on their house. They're living in their house longer. And he said, you know, the houses that he has have been sitting forever. They're not houses people want. You know, they're that hmm. percentage of the market where the buyer is convinced their house is worth maybe a tad more than it really is worth. Well, and the other problem too is, of course, as interest rates continue to rise, if your wage income is not increasing at that same clip, you get priced out at different price points pretty quickly because you get you get to some affordability thresholds there. Speaking so, speaking of that. affordability, let's use that to transition into our second headline, which comes to us from Market Watch and is written by Hal Bundrick. New loan programs target home buyers with just three percent down or less. What this could, is new. Isn't this called an FHA loan? What could probably go wrong here? For years, the FHA, the Federal Housing Administration, was the king of the low-down payment mortgage mountain. Now, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, the government-sponsored enterprises that provide capital to the mortgage market, are designing loan products for hopeful homebuyers with skinny savings accounts. Hopeful homebuyer, mm. skinny savings account. Those two shouldn't go together. I love it. I love the play on words. Hey, I'm a hopeful homeowner with a, with a skinny savings account. That's, I should get some of this. Why As do- opposed to saying, a broke <laughs> with no money. <laughs> right. why, why do we want somebody that barely has any money? Like, haven't we learned? And by the way, weren't Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac like right at the epicenter of the problem? And now they're going, yeah, yeah hey, I got a great thing too. <laughs> like, hey, wait, we, we got a great idea. Hey, guys, check this out. Ooh, new product idea. 
let's give loans to people that can't afford them. What's that old Drew Barrymore I've movie? I've heard this movie before. This is like 50 First Dates. Remember that old, yeah. where she has amnesia, so she keeps dating yeah. Adam Sandler over and over again? Yeah. It's like, we yeah. just keep doing the housing crap. Ooh, you know, hey, I got an idea. Let's make it so people with no money can, can afford a house. It's like Dory from Nemo. <laughs> Dory and- Hi, what were we talking about again? Dory and Fanny and Freddie. Who did you, who did she lose? Your friend ne- Nemo. Your friend who? With Fannie Mae's Home Ready and Freddie Mac. Who is probably trademarked? Even it sounds like a trademark name. Just Home. has a TM next to it. It doesn't, but it's all scrunched together like you do. Ah, there it is. Like it would be. Like yes. they just didn't know how to hit the TM thing on the article on Market Watch. They couldn't figure out how to like. They're like, how do you put that? Ah, to hell with it. They won't care. Just uh, make Fre- sure the font's different and they squish all the words together. Freddie Mac's program called Home Possible. Of course, TM. A three, R with a circle around it. A 3% down payment or what lenders refer to as 97% loan to values available on the so-called conventional loans. Conventional Sub-prime. loans Not are the exactly loan products prime. most often issued by lenders. Uh, Jonathan Lawless, Vice President for Product Development Affordable Housing at Fannie Mae, says today's low down payment FHA loans can be, quote, expensive. With upfront and ongoing mortgage insurance premiums that last for the life of the loan. Jack wagons, making sure that their money's insured. <laughs> Gosh darn, they're just really sticking it to the little guy. What, what's your solution, Jonathan? I got a great idea. Let's take all those protections away and just loan people that don't have money a bunch more money. Deal. That'll never go wrong. Bada boom, bada bing. God's not making any more land. <laughs> so Gotta buy it before it runs out. So, so Fannie Mae... Decide, I got to get through this. So Fannie Mae decided to build a competitive low down payment loan product of its own. There are income limits wrapped into the home ready program, except like in- limits on the high end. <laughs> if, no, no, no. You make too much money for this. We need to make sure this collapses. Except in designated low-income neighborhoods, uh, okay. Fannie's standard 97 LTV loan doesn't have such restrictions if at least one borrower is a first-time homebuyer. So, hey, if you've never made a mortgage mistake before and you don't have any money, we're going to let you step in it. Make your first mortgage mistake with us. <laughs> like a big smiley face with like the, the picture of like the World War II woman that says, like, you can do it. And she's wearing the bandana. Like, you can do it. <laughs> yeah, with the strong. <laughs> Rosie the Riveter. Yes, Rosie the Riveter. You got it going. You can do it. Uncle Sam needs you to default. (laughs) Uh, We're going to link to this train wreck in the show notes (laughs) at stackingbenjamins.com. I don't think we made it clear how we What about the article? You want to link to that too? I don't think we... I don't think we made it clear how we feel about this. I know. At all. Yeah, I think it's swell. You should... I'm going to get five of them. I'm going to take all the money out of my house that I have possible in equity, and then I'm going to go do a whole bunch of... I'm going to see if I can nickel them down to 2.75% mortgages <laughs> just to see if it's possible. Of course you can. I think that's the lesson. 3%, that's for the birds. Let's get to two and a half, baby. And then... And then the, I wonder if Fidelity is going to be the first one to come out with the no down payment. I think seriously, the first lesson here is just because the bank will give you the money doesn't mean you should do it. And that's always been the case, even without these OG. True. Yes, absolutely. And then the second takeaway, which is from our first piece earlier, is cash in your house. I like the idea of keeping that money sacred. Leave that alone. OG, I know you and I are always happy when we get to talk to this guy, which is all the time, he is, as longtime listeners know, the first uh, big time blogger who believed in the Stacky Benjamins brand. And we're so pleased that we've had uh, him as a big cheerleader for the Stacky Benjamin show for a long time. But we're always a cheerleader of his sandwich study. I'm talking about our good friend Len Penzo, he's an electrical engineer who's employed in the aerospace industry. He started the LenPenzo.com blog in 2008. It's hilarious. It's relevant. It's always, always anti what you're going to (laughs) find nearly every place else. He's garnered more than 9 million page views and 4 million unique visitors there. He's won the Plutus Award for the best personal finance blog. He's also been recognized 
as the most humorous personal finance blog, and both Kiplinger and CBS Money Watch have given him best personal finance blog honors. Just can't say enough great stuff, OG, about our good friend, Len Penzo. And walking down the stairs to the basement, normally we have him on the shortwave. But now he's here at the table, Mr. Len Penzo. Joe, love it. Glad to be here. It's got to feel weird. So when you go outside the bunker and you see your shadow, what do you think? It's like six more weeks of winter? It's always six more weeks of winter where I live, Joe. Come on. Winter. (laughs) You know me. (laughs) Mr. Doom and Gloom. OG, Len is like a Game of Thrones. Winter is coming. So do you watch Game of Thrones then, Len? Uh, no, but the honeybee. Hey, hey, hold on, hold on a second, dude. What, what are you doing back here? <laughs> Am I being replaced? Why is somebody sitting in my seat? Let's take it uh, over. Oh, gee, so it's you're the guy responsible for the stains here on this seat. I see. <laughs> yeah, you should see him with ketchup and popcorn and. How many times? If how many times is uh, well here? Sit over here. Okay. Yeah. Use use that seat. Great. Uh, I don't but, like sharing the microphone. This yeah, one's mine. Just, oh, gee, nice to nice to see you, my friend. What's up? (laughs) I'll go back to where you came from and get out of my chair. Let's let's have a little awkwardness to start the interview. Let's talk sandwiches, guys, because Len, I can't believe this is the 10th annual. Yes, it is the 10th annual sandwiches. I mean, really, if you think about that, that uh, the fact that I've been going down to my local grocery store, the same one for the last 10 years with my pencil and paper in hand. And getting evil looks from the staff is quite amazing. And actually, I kid about that because maybe the first few years I did get the evil looks from them. But uh, recently, I, I think they finally caught on and they know what I'm doing now. So, Oh, do they uh, really? Yeah, they know what I'm doing. At least a couple of them know what I'm doing there. Yeah. So when you leave, do you put that letter B like on the grocery <laughs> store window as you walk out? you like the food inspector? Isn't that restaurants? That's not grocery stores, is it? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> You live in a bunker, dude. I, I can't tell you what your grocery stores look like. I never fault no. the grocery store for the no, prices indeed. that I get there because the prices, I mean, there are differences between grocery stores, but the way I do this this survey, I always keep the frugal shopper in mind. And I don't know, Joe and, and OG, I don't know if, if you think this is the right strategy here, but I've always figured the frugal shopper is never brand loyal. They will always go for the cheapest price. And that's how I do my survey too. I always... Like if I'm looking at a, a rack full of bologna, I will always buy use my survey the cheapest bologna price per serving cost. I will not just stay uh, not Oscar Mayer bologna or whatever it is. So I wanted to ask you about that, and you you define that one, Len. But let's talk about the rest of the survey because some people are just coming to the survey. I love the way this kind of talks about inflation, right? I mean, it's a really fun way to talk about inflation. But what was the impetus of the survey, and what exactly do you look at? I started the survey back this when my kids were younger and you know you always get at the beginning of the year you get the school note letter and it says hey and this year school lunches are you know a dollar 25 or 4 dollars or whatever they are and after a few years I was like this is ridiculous that these school lunches are just getting more expensive and it's crap you see the kids tell you what these school lunches are and you look at them you get you know that costs 2 dollars and 50 cents that's what you're getting And so I decided to say, well, I know people always said it was cheaper to bring your own lunch and and make your own lunch and bring it to school. But was it really? So I started doing these surveys where I uh, tried to figure out what would be the cost of a brown bag lunch at the daily cost. So that's how this thing was birthed. And true to form, of course, this the survey has always revealed that, yes, by far, making your own lunch at home is cheaper, especially at school. So this year, my school lunch, they're charging three bucks. A lunch that's two years in a row now it's been three bucks and it's crap you know it's like a a single broccoli flower and you know a, a, a shoot you figured out it's crap you've seen pictures of it on the internet of broccoli is disgusting yeah. i agree with you 100 percent. so so three dollars 180 school days if you did that for one child it's 540 dollars a year if you do my sandwiches the cheapest sandwich on the list this year don't which is don't 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 say it yet we we gotta have the big reveal later well, let me just say this. Okay, without saying what it is, if you did the cheapest sandwich on the list this year and then you went to Smart and Final or Costco, bought the bag of chips and the juice box, 100% juice box, it would be 84 cents. And it's a healthier lunch. And it's a healthier lunch. Absolutely. Yes. So what? then do you take that $2.16 and 
make your kid put it into their Roth IRA or something. Exactly. You invest that in a Roth IRA. Absolutely, OG. Good man. (laughs) Or two cans of Coke on the way out. You're kind of joking, but I mean, think about it. $540. And if you do the cheapest, uh, like I just said, with the juice box and and what have you, it's $155 a year. So that's, uh, what is that? Uh, Three, just under $300 a year you've saved per child. Yeah. Average family is 2.5 kids. See her saving seven hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. The more kids you have, oh my gosh, yeah, the yeah. savings really do. I, I always feel bad, line for the point five kid. The other two kids are, <laughs> are fine. Yeah. yeah, that is pretty bad. And you ever, what do you count like a Siamese? If you have Siamese twins, how do you count that? Right, just two x everything. Well, not quite. Almost. <laughs> I don't know. Is it? They're sharing something. That's like point eight. <laughs> Right? Isn't it point it's like point, one point one point three or something? I, yeah, I don't know. That's a whole different podcast episode. But the big question here: you have ten different types of sandwiches. We have uh, salami, tuna salad. We've got the BLT, probably my favorite, roast beef and cheddar. Uh, what else we got? Egg salad, turkey and Swiss, American tuna. cheese, the, a, a, the classic tuna. Oh, the tuna. That's right. American cheese, which by the way, one person told us is uh, child abuse. And then <laughs> remember that? And then we had uh, bologna and uh, peanut butter and jelly. And the big question last year or the big kerfuffle last year was that Peanut butter and jelly, which had been number one, lost its seat to bologna. And that was yes, huge. Yes, it did. Yes. And so the question is, is, is bologna going to stay ahead of PB&J? We'll get there. So when you went to the store, you did not worry at all about brands. You just went for the cheapest? Always. Yes. Let's talk about the things that went into the sandwich first then, Len. So what were the price discrepancies between last year and this year? Some of the big thoughts when it comes to the survey. I guess if you're looking for big movers down or up, Salami this year went up 33%, which was quite large. Other big movers, the price of eggs. And now I I understand this. I get letters every year from people. I know egg prices tend to be local. Where I live, the price of eggs went up 25% this year. Wow. And and, and by the way, Len, not to cut you off, but my understanding, if I remember right, last year, egg prices also went up. Yes, Joe. Great memory. Yes. 28% last year. My question is, is how many eggs do you get in an egg salad sandwich? Oh, well, good question, OG. How I do this is, and Joe knows, I get taken to the cleaners by people every year on this too, but you got to set some standards. So when it comes to an egg salad sandwich, I am basically serving two eggs and three servings of mayo as the serving size is defined on the Mm -hmm. jar of mayonnaise, which I think is a tablespoon. I I can get behind that. Now, do you allow for paprika and salt and pepper also, or is that, that is for them rich kids? You know what? I salt and pepper. I figure that the cost of that stuff is really cheap. So I, I didn't include it. And everybody puts salt. Well, at least I do. I put salt and pepper on my egg salad, but no, I did not include salt and pepper. Len's like, I'm not a heathen. Trash. (laughs) Uh, I figure salt and pepper is a condiment people buy. They have it all the time in their house and, you know, that doesn't apply. So, By the the way, speaking of healthier, you went with wheat bread. Yes, I did. And uh, the price of wheat bread on here didn't change. But so eggs and salami, we talked about eggs being local. And and so in your backyard, the cost of eggs going up dramatically. Uh, Salami, though, 33%. Any idea why that's the case? No, you know, salami is a weird bird it goes up it no, goes it's down a meat. it's a meat you're right it is a meat it's not yeah, foul it's, that's not foul definitely not foul it started off cheap at the beginning of my survey and then the price climbed and it started dropping again and now it's going up so no i i have no explanation for the salami price joe i do know you've got strawberry jelly up 14 percent. i know that the price of fruit has been higher lately so that doesn't surprise me Let's yep. talk about on the lower end, which one surprised you because they were so much less expensive? Yeah. This year, the big movers, again, were roast beef down 33%. Tuna, for kids who love their tuna, down 33%. Now, on tuna, not to cut you off, Len, but on tuna, if I remember right, last year, the price of tuna was through the roof. So this might be kind of a return to sanity, if I remember correctly. The price of tuna did skyrocket starting three years back. Yeah. The price more than doubled and it stayed there for like four years in a row. The past two years, it has been coming back down. So uh, tuna is is recovering back to what it was at the start of the survey. So it's coming back to the reversion to the mean, I guess you'd call it. 
looking at other ones that went down, roast beef down 33% also. Any idea why that is? Nope. I just don't know. I guess it's any commodity prices go up, prices go down depending on seasonality or, you know, they have shortages. That's just the way it is. And that's, it, it kind of makes it interesting. Actually, a lot of these sandwiches, uh, except for usually the PB and J and typically the bologna sandwich, they go up and they go down and it's just a seasonal thing. And lettuce down a lot too, surprising at 28%. Yeah, lettuce is a wild mover, and it will make some wild moves too, and it, and it greatly affects the price of specifically the uh, BLT. And let me say one more thing. I got, I got a. Sure enough, this year somebody leaves a comment on the comment section of this story. I think her name was Willow, and she said, "Well, I put lettuce and tomato on my bologna sandwich, so your survey is of no help to me." <laughs> and I, I well. Well, that's fair. I mean, I can see if you're, if you're reading it not very closely, the, the article, you'd say, yeah, that's true. But I will say, if you look on my article, I break out all of the ingredients on a per serving basis and all you, you can build your own sandwich from my ingredients list. So if you have a bologna sandwich and you like lettuce and tomato, this year, the uh, lettuce is a uh, 13 cents per serving and a tomato is a dollar per serving for your sandwich. I told Will, I go, you add $1.13 to the price of the uh, bologna sandwich, and there you go. So you can build your sandwich however you want. You can figure out the cost of your sandwiches from the survey here. That's very diplomatic of you because I'm wondering <laughs> how Willow was expecting your survey to change her life with sandwiches. <laughs> like I know. I just thought it was so funny. It's like, oh, this doesn't help me. You know, and she even left a comment. Oh, this is a worthless survey. It's like, no, Willow, it, I try to help. All of a sudden, the heavens were going to open up, and she'd realize <laughs> – it's almost like the people get upset about the cheese sandwich too. Yeah, so, so which I will say, you know, cheese sandwich can be a grilled cheese sandwich. Absolutely, so that's fine, right? Yeah, then you, you got to put butter on it, right? Oh, there you well, go. Well, or you can use the mayo. You know, you use the you can put the I mayo. I've heard of mayo. Yeah. So, and, and and my cheese sandwich does show mayo as a condiment serving on there. So just brush the sides with the mayo. Mayonnaise cost, by the way, up twelve percent on your yes. Study, so yes, as opposed to mustard last year, if you remember, mustard was the big condiment, big increase in price. This year, uh, mayo went up. Now, mayonnaise price of mustard didn't move. Mayonnaise being up makes sense, though. Lend to me. I mean, up twelve percent because the price of eggs and exactly. Eggs Exactly. Yeah. There you go. So yeah. Some correlation yeah. there. All right. So let's talk about the most inexpensive sandwich in your study. We've got, once again, bologna was number one. And uh, last year, taking it away from PB&J, did bologna continue as number one above PB&J? Well, the answer is bologna held on to the position, but PB&J tied it. They both came in at Actually, it's 36 cents a serving. So the price of PB&J dropped 10% from last year. A bologna sandwich went up 9%. So, and bam, they met in the middle. So we have co-winners this year, Joe. The big winner here, though, is the consumer because 36 cents for your sandwich, not that bad. Yeah. And again, like I said, you throw in the 25 cent bag of chips and the 25 cent uh, six ounce 100% juice box that you can get from like your uh, Smart and Final or where have you. You buy those in bulk. And uh, there you go. It's what, 86 cents. So behind it in third was what? The loathsome American cheese. The child abuse sandwich. 47 cents a sandwich. If you don't like your children, give them American cheese. <laughs> According to one reviewer of the show. Now, the, the next one I thought is now this is uh, one that's extremely interesting. This is came in fourth this year is the turkey and Swiss. Wow. And, yeah. But but here's the interesting thing about turkey and Swiss. So this year, turkey and Swiss is 60 cents. Three years ago, that same sandwich was a dollar forty four. So the price fell 42 percent. In 2016, it dropped another 37% last year, and it dropped 3% more this year. So I don't think it can get much cheaper, but that that just kind of shows you how these sandwich prices will bump up and down. $1.44 to $0.60 cents in three years. Big lesson here is if you're looking for the sandwich that's on sale, Turkey and Swiss. Turkey and Swiss, yep. That is a, a huge mover, yes. Number five? The egg salad sandwich. Boy, and that went up 21%, of course, yep. because of the price but of eggs. But it's still only $0.68 cents a sandwich. Good. Even though it went up 21%, it's still only $0.68 cents a sandwich. You've got uh, Ham and Swiss at number six. We'll skip by that. That that price went up 5%. But salami at number seven. <laughs> nine, That's really killing you, isn't it, Joe? Well, 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 well here's what's killing me. It's $0.97. Cents, and I'm thinking, 
I would much rather have a turkey and Swiss or a bologna or a PB&J sandwich than a salami sandwich. And the price is almost two thirds higher. Yeah. Well, there are two types of salami out there. There's dry salami, and then I'll call it bologna salami, if you know what I'm talking about. I use the dry salami, which is the the higher end, more expensive salami. Uh, If you want like the bologna type salami, you can get that for almost the same price as the cost of a bologna salty so. dry salami that goes yeah. well with the, goes well with yeah. a beer that's the italian in me we all, I always grew up eating the dry stuff gotta have that of course yeah. and i just said it goes great with a beer you're not sending your kid with yeah. A yeah. salami sandwich <laughs> and a beer that sounds like a, a tailgate party <laughs> you should do an annual tailgate party survey yeah oh that would be good oh gee i think that's for you my friend that, oh. oh okay take that and run with it very simple you go to the uh local barbecue place you plop down your american express card and say fill her up <laughs> there it is no. hey joe i'll bring up one more thing about prices dropping so yeah food prices you, the, the general conventional wisdom is hey food prices are going up but when it comes to sandwiches the price of food uh, sandwiches have been dropping since 2014 and again this is kind of mirroring the turkey and swiss but every year i take all 10 sandwiches and i average the cost of all 10 sandwiches this year it's 94 cents the first year of my survey, it was 82 cents. In 2014, prices rose steadily through 2014. So that was what, four or five years ago when the price of all of them was $1.19. So since 2014, the price has dropped from $1.19 to 94 cents a sandwich, the wow. average price. So uh, you might think food prices are rising and they probably are overall, but when it comes to sandwiches, they're actually getting lower. I wonder if that's that's due to just food preferences in general. You know what I mean? People maybe not having as, as you know, with the, the anti-carb craze and things like that, that that's bringing the price of sandwich and sandwich ingredients down. I don't could, know. Could be. And I can hear a few people saying, well, there's been shrinkflation. You know how they, they reduce right. the package sizes. But my surveys are, remember, my surveys are per serving. So that avoids the shrinkflation issue there. So. Let's cut to the chase on the other end here, Len. Uh, the most expensive sandwich in your survey. Well, the most expensive and, and almost, I think, every year but one, and this is in the duh category, it's the BLT. Mm-hmm. But here's the point about the BLT. So the BLT this year, it came down uh, 7%. Uh, it's two sixty nine this year. But even at two sixty nine, if you made your kid a BLT, gave him the chips, gave him the, the juice box – it basically comes to $570 a year, which is only $30 more than if you got that disgusting school lunch for three bucks. And they're eating so, like a king on that BLT. And they're eating like a king. I bet you the kids with the school lunch would be wanting to trade you that BLT for the school lunch. So that's the lesson there. Hey, it's it's yes, it's two sixty nine dollars a sandwich, but it's still a, a bargain. And a Big Mac's what, three? You know, if you go to a Big Mac, as for you people who bring a brown bag lunch to work, you know, you go Big Mac, what's that, three ninety nine or something? Yeah. All right. So Len, so uh, before you get out of my seat and head back to your bunker, what? Not a moment too soon. soon. (laughs) Things got to get back to normal around here. I like status quo. So out of all this stuff, what's the lesson here for all of us sandwich eaters and lunch bag packers for kids and that sort of thing? It comes down to this. And I know this is simple. It really is true. It's always cheaper to make your own lunch and by far 70% cheaper by this year's survey loan. So make your own lunch at home, save 70% and uh, use that money for something uh, more worthwhile. Awesome. Steak sandwiches for OG. There you go. I should add that to the survey. (laughs) The bonus, the new OG (laughs) steak sandwich, which is by the way, why there's stuff all over that chair right there. Uh, Just a mess. It's the 10th annual cost survey of 10 popular brown bag sandwiches every year at lenpenzo.com. If you want to see the entire thing, head to lenpenzo.com and you'll find that. You'll also find a link to that in our show notes page at stackingbenjamins.com. Len, I'm so glad we got to do this with you again this year. Always a pleasure, Joe. And, and next time I'll bring my own seat cover. <laughs> Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And with all of the school lunch talk, I'm wondering if you could pass me the Grey Poupon, perhaps. I say, Jeeves, here's today's sandwich-related trivia question. What type of bread was eaten most in 2017 in the USA? I'll be back with the answer and maybe a little pumpernickel, if you know what I mean, in just a moment. 
When you shop online, do you suddenly turn into a tab hoarder loading all kinds of new tabs into your browser in search of a promo code? Just one that might work. Afraid to close any of them and fear missing out on a deal? Well, before you crash your browser yet again, try out Honey. Honey's the free browser add-on that over 9 million people are using every day to save money while they shop online. It's funny, OG. Two clicks. It takes me two clicks to add Honey to my Chrome browser, but you can add to any browser you want for free. And then all you do is just shop like you normally do. You seriously just ignore it. Honey scans and tests millions of coupons in the background and at checkout, then Honey, bam, automatically applies the best coupon. Time Magazine calls Honey basically free money. And we totally agree. Over 9 million people use it every day. And together, they've saved millions of dollars. And if you've got to shop for anything, why wouldn't you add it to your browser? Shop online or shop online more cheaply? Which one would you rather do? So there's no reason not to add Honey to your browser. Right now, it's free. Takes just two clicks to install. Save you tons of money. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com SB. It's not honey.com. It's joinhoney.com SB. Two words, joinhoney.com SB to start stacking the Benjamins with Honey today. That's joinhoney.com slash SB. Stacky Benjamins is also supported by Magnify Money. You know, when you use our link, stackybenjamins.com forward slash Magnify Money, you know what you'll find? You'll find that you get angry. And you get angry at who? You get angry at yourself because you could have been doing so much better with your money if you'd just gone to Magnify Money first. There's a reason why. We asked Magnify Money to be our sponsor a long, long time ago because of the fact there's so much there. I mean, when I click on the different offers that are available, I'm just going to read these. Balance transfers, cashback rewards, 0% interest credit cards, low interest credit cards, secured credit cards, checking accounts, savings accounts, linked check-in and savings accounts, CD rates, personal loans, student loan refinance, parent plus loan refinance, auto loans, small business loans, private student loans, credit monitoring identity theft, budget apps. But wait, there's more. There are free guides on how to complain. If you have a complaint about your credit card, if you got to complain to your bank, guide to eliminating credit card debt, a credit score guide, the credit monitoring and ID theft guide, calculators in your money personality quiz, balance transfers versus personal loans, credit card payoff calculators, personal loan calculators, how much house can I really afford calculators? Man, it's all there. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. That's StackyBenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I am triumphantly back with the concluding slice of today's sandwich trivia, which was this. What type of bread was most eaten in the USA in 2017? The answer, according to Statista.com, the triumphant winner with over 171 million Americans eating it is whole wheat or multigrain bread. Are you kidding me? Wow. Knew there were that many healthy people, and that just ruined my next joke because I had some rye comment all ready to go. Did you bet any dough on that one? If not, don't be a sourdough. See ya. You nailed it. Yeah, I can't understand why wheat bread is so disgusting. So. <laughs> Uh, big thanks to Len Penzo for including us again in his sandwich survey. Never a dull moment, OG, with Len, as you know from being on the roundtable with him. He is, um, how do you say, entertaining. He's incredibly entertaining. Speaking of entertaining, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline. We're going to tackle right now some of life's most important questions. Our friends over at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they put what you value first. Roast beef and cheddar. And... PB&J. It's funny. When I go back to PB&J, which I never have, I love it. <laughs> when you never go back to it, but you do, and then you love it? it, it oh, you never have. I'm it. saying rarely. 
I rarely, I should have said that. Yes. I, I rarely have a PB and J. And when I go back, I'm like, why have I stayed away from so long? Peanut butter. I love yeah. you. Yeah. No, good stuff. It is your family and your time, by the way, but I like those as well. Those are good. It's why they made buying quality term life insurance actually simple. Head to stackybedjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free quote. And if you pause and do it right now, you can make sure you get that done. Just pause the show. Come right back. We'll be here. Here's an example, by the way. Brittany at Haven Life shared with me a sample quote. A 20-year term policy at half a million dollars Haven term policy issued by Mass Mutual for a healthy 35-year-old man, that would start at $21 a month. Pocket change. Yeah. I mean, seriously, you're not going to miss it and you're doing the right thing. Speaking of doing the right thing, we had somebody do the right thing and call us. Let's say hello to Lee. Say hi, Lee. Hey, Joe and OG. It's Lee, your favorite travel expert from baldthoughts.com. As you know, I left my job recently, and when I was there, I had a health savings account, and uh, I've been able to save up a little bit of money in there. Now that I don't have insurance on my own, I'm on my wife's insurance, and she's just on a normal PPO right now. What's the best thing I should do with my flexible spending account? Do I keep it where it's at? Is there some place I should move it to? Obviously, I'm not going to cash it out. I want to have that continue to grow and, and build for my future, but I'm just not sure what the next steps are. Thanks a lot. Hey, thanks, Lee. And I think OG Lee mixed up a couple terms there because a flex spending account, which he said at the end, is something a little bit different than the health savings account. Maybe we can go over the difference between those as well. But why don't we start off with the bigger question? Health savings account, can you just leave it there? Does he take it and invest it somewhere else? What does he do? Very simple. You can do either of those things. You can leave it there if you want depending on the cost structure and the investment choices and and that sort of thing. Uh, you can move it to a different place if you know what you have right now you don't appreciate. You're talking about a different HSA though. You got to keep it inside the HSA umbrella. Yeah, just like a rollover. If there's another provider that offers better service or or uh, solutions that are simpler for you or or better. And if you just recently change jobs, you still have the rest of this year to contribute to it. So if you're covered by that plan, you can still max it out if you haven't. The difference between an HSA and an FSA, so flexible spending account, health savings account, the health savings account, no restrictions tied to it in terms of time frame use. You keep it open, you can contribute to it, you can use it for healthcare expenditures at your discretion. A flexible spending account, however, is most likely used for things like daycare or after-school care, and here's the kicker, has to be used by the end of the year. So this is one of those things where if you have an FSA, and usually your HR people are good enough to let you know, or the provider's good enough to go, ahem, it's end of December, you've got to, you know, or a couple of weeks to go, you got to start using this money up, and you want to get your reimbursements in there. So as you're starting to think about, we're only a few months away now from uh, employee benefit time. Usually this kind of happens in the fall. As you start thinking about, should I use a flexible spending account? for things like daycare or or whatever else, uh, you want to be thinking about the likelihood of using that all up and prorated proportionately. Thanks for the question, Lee. And Lee's getting our greatest money show on earth. T-shirt. Shirt. Haven Life branded shirt. Awesome t-shirt. Caden's going to send that his way. Hey, uh, Doug just brought down the letters and uh, we have one here from Jeff. A couple times on recent shows, OG has warned investors that if they want to invest in small cap value, they better expect 70% declines to get the 13% growth rate. The worst case drawdown of DFA, a very well-managed uh, fund family, by the way, DFA's small cap value fund, DFSVX, introduced in 1993, is negative 66.7 in March of 2009. So with liberal rounding, I'll give him the 70% decline. However- Thank you. It's important to note that the S&P 500 drawdown in the same period was negative 56.8. So with the same liberal rounding is a 60% decline. Meaning, I think Jeff's point is, and thanks for the note, Jeff. I think Jeff's point, OG, is, is that small cap value, really not that much more risky than the S&P 500. Yeah, so we can take some rounding or not round. 66% is going to feel very similar to 70 which probably also feels very similar to 60, frankly. But I think there is a little bit of a difference because when you add that additional volatility, even though the max drawdown is, call it 10 percentage points difference, 
and in a really rough period of time. And I'm not double checking this, by the way, so I'm assuming that he's right. <laughs> I'm not going to bother no. pulling it up, but uh, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's right. That's the trade-off. I was thinking that same thing, OG. That maybe the lake, the small cap lake, even though the max might not be as high, might just generally be choppier water. Once again, I didn't look it up specifically for this question. But well, no, the the max is higher for sure. But sure. that's the trade-off. The trade-off is the choppier volatility. Yeah, just over um, any point in time. Yes, and I think it's just easier to explain being okay with minus. I, I will amend my conversations from now on to say instead of you have to be okay with minus 70, I'll say you have to be okay with minus 66 point whatever. But then again, that's in a DFA fund, which for people that don't know DFA funds, am I going to use a DFA fund as the benchmark of the average? Well, no, they're close to being indexes and, and, you know, you can look at a Russell 2000 value or something like that, but that's beside the point. I think the illustration is, is that that's the trade-off, the trade-off between, being all invested in one asset class is, regardless of what that asset class is, is you can do it and you can get the better return over time, but you have to be okay with the more volatile approach. And the interesting thing, and I don't even remember what we talked about when we talked about this initially, frankly, and what Jeff is commenting on, but I think that if you go into just one asset class, you still have this point in time risk, which you get away from when you have a better collection of different assets. The fact that you might be able to pull money from one that hasn't been either hit as hard. Um, that was difficult in 2007, 2008, certainly to find an asset class that wasn't hit as hard. But well, when the liquidity came back to your money market fund, it was a great place to invest <laughs> money from. <laughs> once, <laughs> After you could withdraw money out of the banks again, once you that could, was a really smart place. Once you could get your cash out, you were okay. The ATM started working. <laughs> no, but... But here's the other side of it. I think when it comes to this, you know, where should I put my money thing? Everything we know about market returns, asset class returns, and volatility is based on what? The past. What guarantees do you have that that works in the future? Zero. Exactly. So I'm not willing to bet, and I'm not willing to bet on behalf of my clients, that just because it was true the last 90 years, it's going to be true the next 90 all we can use is that information to help us make decisions. But I still think that at the end of the day, you're going to be better served with a well-diversified plan that affords you all those things, rebalancing opportunities and all the such we talk about. Thanks for the note, Jeff. We appreciate it. By the way, if you've got a note for the show, clearly the way to go is Haven Lifeline. A, the line's a lot shorter. B, you get to hear yourself. It's like a fast pass. Yeah. How amazing is that? And then third, you also get the Haven Life shirt. So thanks, uh, though, both to Lee and to Jeff today. If you want to leave a message for us, head to stackingbenjamins.com. And at the top of the page, you'll see the questions tab. Just click that link and they'll show you all the ways you can interface with us. That's going to do it for today, OG. Hey, the last thing before we hang up just is uh, if you've got financial issues or want better financial help in your corner, OG's taking clients. How do you get some of that? As mom says, Head Get me to, some of that. Head to, head to your phone, your dialing device, and text the word stacker to 44222, and that will begin the process that gets you to his calendar. So wherever you are, 44222, the word stacker, and you're good to go. That's going to do it. Speaking of good to go, we're good to go, OG. Okay. Doug, you're take good it to from go. here. Doug, not so good to go. Not so much. So what did we learn today? First, believe it or not, we can learn from the price of a school lunch. While it doesn't seem like inflation is going up over time, even the cost of sandwich supplies rises. While having money in a bank account earning nearly nothing might seem safe, you're safely losing your ability to make a ham and cheese sandwich. Second, cash in your house? While it might seem tempting to access that cash, paying off your house can be a huge win and taking that money for short-term needs can easily wreck your long-term plans. But the big lesson? Don't listen to Len and Joe talk about sandwiches while you're grocery shopping. Who thought four pounds of bologna was a good idea? And three jars of Dijon mustard? Plus that designer ketchup and the chipotle mayo? Oh, God, I'm hungry. And there goes the budget. 
Special thanks to Len Penzo for sharing his survey results with us again this year. Looking for the full study or want to talk to Len more about it? You'll find him and the survey at lenpenzo.com. This show was created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I just noticed it's just as dark and damp down here as Joe's soul. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Thanks to Joe's mom for telling me she'd make sandwiches tonight. I've never had a knuckle sandwich before, though. Does that need a little salt and pepper, maybe? Or you go with maybe a little aioli sauce? Huh, I wonder what I do there. Welcome to the after show. This is the part of the show that doesn't exist. What happens in the after show stays in the after show. No, the first rule of the after show is there is no after show. There is no after show. That voice you hear is our friend, Jonathan from Choose FI. And dude, you and I were discussing OG's rant on Monday about uh, Kevin who sent him it's a bot who sent it was all an this. an impassioned plea is what it was. <laughs> that you need Cialis. And I, told I always him, wonder, what's the conversion on that? Like, what's the play? This bot goes around. Is it just to make my life more difficult? Like, I actually decided. So I use this thing called, um, what is it? What is it called? It's, oh, man, I'm losing it. Hang Cialis. Vi- Viagra. <laughs> it's called Viagra. Damn it, you're not helping. <laughs> I, it's this unsubscribe tool that goes through all your emails and allows you to oh, quickly. Oh, unroll. Unroll.me. Unroll. I used that for the longest time. And then I realized I actually had 4,000 subscriptions that had been accumulating over time that it had been rolling up. And so I looked at my Google limits and I have no space left. And I was like, I think I may have been just sweeping the problem under the carpet. So I, I uninstalled unroll.me and I have been manually and painfully extracting myself from all of these unnecessary subscription services. And uh, there's something gratifying, but at the same time, it feels like you're pushing back the tide because you know, as fast as you're unsubscribing, they're selling your email to 20 or 30 other providers. You just can't win. I know. I found over my career at some point, you just go new email address, everybody. There is apparently this tool that you can use to just, and someone was telling me about this and I haven't even, I don't even know the name, but you, I'm sure you can Google it. I hear that's what people do these days. Oh, crazy. There's a place I can look all this stuff up. I know. On the internet? It existed. We could solve all of the world's problems. Shut the front door. Or amplify them. Anyways, it generates a temporary 15 minute email. You know, it'll do it for the purposes of confirming that you have an email address. You know, as soon as you click on the leak, 15 minutes later, the email is dead and it's gone. We have the power. It has been reclaimed. It's on our side of the court. We can fight back against the machines. Like, wait a minute, not a burner phone, but now a burner email. It's necessary. This is 20 burner beyond, email. man. We're living in the future. Phones. What is a phone? What is a phone? Jonathan uses his burner email for Tinder, all of his... <laughs> Someone was actually, I was asking someone the other day if you were supposed to swipe left or swipe right. I I truly don't know the answer. The response was, it's actually, your wife will appreciate the fact that you don't know the answer to that. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Such a good sign. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And and Jonathan just keeps telling that lie over and over and over. I have no idea. I seriously have no idea. Swipe up. Swipe Swipe, swipe down. What? Yeah. Yeah.
Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union can help you earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you could start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Considering a big home improvement project, maybe you want to consolidate debt. Well, if you're thinking consolidation, that's part of your plan. You could borrow up to 100% of your home's equity with a fixed rate home equity loan with zero closing cost or easily borrow as you go with a home equity line of credit. What I like, you make your plan first and then you use the appropriate instrument to get you there. And Navy Federal has them. Both options could help make life's big expenses seem more manageable. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA. Equal housing lender. Membership required. Terms and conditions apply. Loan subject to approval. 